What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. And guys, we are so stoked to finally bring you the first game of the year preview. The 49ers versus the Arizona Cardinals in the smoky and unhealthy Santa Clara. Anthony, how are you doing? Are you just as hyped as I am? Finally, 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 dude, we got 49ers football. I don't even want to begin to talk about the whole smoke situation. I don't care about that. Oh, I do care, but right now I don't. Back, This is the first preview of the season, dude, and I couldn't tell you how excited I am to talk about 49ers football, bro. Let's get it popping. I am ready to go. Yeah, dude, same here. I mean, I was in the office all day until about 6.30-ish. Um, but when I left the air quality index on my phone and from what I've been hearing on Twitter, it's not the most accurate, but even then it said 199. Um, so if the game, I'm sure you all have heard by now is if the, uh, excuse me, the air quality index at the time of kickoff is 200 or above, then they have to postpone it and reschedule it, um, by, by NFL rules, it seems so. Let's hope that it's under 200. I heard that it's supposed to be a little clearer and windier tomorrow, and that should help. Um, Tomorrow and Sunday while we record this, it is Friday night. So I really, really hope so. But without further ado, guys, enough of the boring stuff. Let's get right into it. Anthony, what are your initial takeaways when you think of the 49ers facing up against the Cardinals? They had two really tough matchups with these guys last year. Do you envision another one happening on Sunday? Yeah, I do, man. And I'm not going to lie. The Cardinals did get better this offseason. They added DeAndre Hopkins. They added Isaiah Simmons. They just extended Buda Baker, who's going to be really happy. And yeah, he may have gotten torched by Kittle, but he's still a very solid safety. And overall, they bring back a a relatively young but up-and-coming team. I know the Cardinals have been getting a lot of hype this offseason, certainly for all the, move they, all the moves they've made, Kyler Murray's growth, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's what spread offense, if you will, where he does a youth. I foresee the Cardinals being very, very stingy once again. And obviously with the addition of Hopkins, it's um it's not gonna come easy for the Niners, but at the same time, if the Niners can, you know, kind of hold the game plan that they did last season where they just tried to contain Kyler Murray and prevent him from taking a lot of deep shots, I think the Niners have a really good shot of taking away opening day, if you will. It's gonna be tough, dude, but I think the 49ers are going to do all right on Sunday. My initial takeaways mainly come down to how hard it is to get Kyler Murray on the ground. Uh, Just looking back to the two games that they played against him last year, he is like Russell Wilson-esque when it comes to being an escape artist. And it's so frustrating to watch because the 49ers will have them in their grasps and he always seemed to escape. Um, and, And not only that, but obviously... The news coming out today that Debo Samuel will not play in week one. Um, So the 49ers are going to have to overcome that, the lack of him out there. Um, And also uh, Brandon Ayuk is going to be limited from what it seems like according to the injury report. So there's just a lot to get into. Um, But Anthony, you did write a piece today about five bold predictions. Did you want to go over some of the key ones there that you think are really going to happen? The crazy one I think is going to happen, Zach. I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling. I don't think the Niners are going to... Or excuse me, the Niners. I don't think the Cardinals are going to sack Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I feel like with the addition of Trent Williams, and I get it, Western Vicksburg is out. The right guard position is still questionable. But hear me out. With the addition of Trent Williams and even Ben Garland, who will, who's questionable, but I feel like he'll play, he's a solid backup center even without Rickberg, and I think the offensive line has had better time to gel. Obviously, another year with the offensive line being together on their belt, even after the addition of Trent Williams, I think that can only benefit the team greatly. And it, let's face it, it sucks to lose Joe Staley, but when you add Trent Williams, it is going to be wild. So let's get into why I really think they won't get any sacks. You add Brandon Ayuk, you add Jordan Reed, you add George Kittle, who will finally get maybe hopefully not so covered as much because, quite frankly, the George Kittle just draws so much attention. And with the addition of Jordan Reed and uh, Brandon Ayuk, on top of the return of Trent Taylor, on top of the return of Dante Pettis, who sounds like he's having a fantastic camp, who sounds like he's just ready to ball out. He changed his mindset entirely, according to Kyle Shanahan. And he's just coming in to be a player. And... I think we might finally see the Dante Pettis everyone saw his rookie year. And quite frankly, Zach, I cannot tell you how excited I am to see this version of Dante Pettis. But albeit, man, they got the wide receivers coming back. They got the tight ends added in place. They even got Jerick McKinnon back. Jimmy Garoppolo has weapons all over the place. And I couldn't tell you how excited I am to watch him use all these toys. When you have guys like Jerick McKinnon, Raheem Mostert, and uh, even Jeff Wilson, who can all catch out of the backfield. You got Kyle Juszczyk. You got all playmaking wide receivers and tight ends. It's a lot to cover with this Niners offense. And on top of that, the icing on the cake, you got to deal with Kyle Shanahan. And that is not easy. You got to deal with arguably the best play caller in the entire game. And to give him a Jordan Reed, who healthy is a top 10 tight end, to give him a Brandon Ayuk, who is basically a longer-armed Debo Samuel, I would be scared if I was a Cardinals, man. And you have all these guys who can catch passes and make plays. And Jimmy Garoppolo, who can get the ball off really quickly, even in a three-step drop, in shotgun, in pistol. It doesn't matter. Jimmy Garoppolo has very good timing and very quick release. And I don't think the Cardinals' pass rush is going to be ready. I don't think that defense is going to be ready. And all I'm going to say is, dude, I do not think the Cardinals are going to sack Jimmy Garoppolo. I do not think they're going to expect what the Niners have to offer on offense this season, even without Debo. Damn, well, there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm super excited to see the difference between Joe Staley and Trent Williams, and obviously no disrespect to Joe Staley at all. He's a 49ers legend, we all know that, but his play was starting to decline, especially at the end of last season. Um, so Trent Williams is at the peak of his career, and he's going up against a formidable Cardinals defensive line, and, you know, Chandler Jones is on that line, and I think I saw that he's fared pretty well against Chandler Jones. I think I saw only one pressure in all of the matchups that he's given up, uh, that he's had against him. So I think the 49ers are going to come out ahead on that battle, but it's still going to be tough. Um, it's it's going to be very tough because the offensive line as a whole is kind of shaky. Um, you know, we have, obviously, Weston Richburg is out. Uh, ben Garland's injured. So just the whole line, it looks like it's going to be kind of, at least interior, is going to be a little shaken up. Um, but for me, one thing I really want to keep an eye on is how do these tight end sets work? How does Jordan Reed get out there and work with George Kittle? Is the rookie Charlie Warner going to get out there? Ross Dwelly's returning. Um, I'm really excited to see how Kyle Shanahan uses all of these guys because we've heard a lot when Jordan Reed did finally start practicing at camp that he is going to be 
Um, you know, he was unstoppable. He, the 49ers defense didn't really have an answer for him. And I, I really am excited to see how they actually use him come Sunday. Um, now, next question for you, Anthony. The, the Cardinals obviously drafted Isaiah Simmons, most likely to specifically stop George Kittle. How much luck do you think they have in their first matchup with him on the field? I don't think Isaiah Simmons is ready to cover George Kittle, dude. Now, here's the thing I heard with Isaiah Simmons, and even after watching his college film. I think he made a lot of his plays, not just because he's as talented on defense and as smart as reading offensive plays and whatnot. I think he's just freakishly athletic, and he took advantage of a lot of pretty poor offenses, even in, even in a good division in, in Clemson. So once you, once you have a lot of hype, and I think once you have a lot of that college success... I think overconfidence may creep in and may step in, and quite frankly, I don't think Simmons is, is ready for George Kittle. And, Zach, I don't even think it's just George Kittle he needs to be ready for. I think when it comes to offenses in general, you got to just be ready for Kyle Shanahan because you can give him any type of wide receiver, any type of tight end you want, and he will score 20-plus points for the team on offense, and just that's just from scheming plays alone. So I will give Isaiah Simmons props. He is a very solid player from what it seems. It sounds like he had a good training camp. But he's kind of a he's kind of a boomer bust player, and what I mean by that is I was reading an article that was saying he's very solid, he's super athletic, but how much can he actually contribute on the field? Is he is he that playmaking rangy linebacker safety hybrid who can really diagnose offenses and know where play is going, or was his college film just mostly great athletic plays? Yet is to be determined once he steps on that on that uh, NFL field, if you will, and goes from there. But overall, I think Kyle Shanahan has had more than enough time to exploit Isaiah Simmons' game film and understand his uh, strengths and weaknesses. And I feel like Simmons may not fully expect that. Even if it's George Kittle he's not covering, even if it's on Jordan Reed, I think these guys are ready to go after him. And I wouldn't be surprised until Simmons may or may not make a big play. I honestly think Shanahan is going to attack him, dude, because he's a rookie, he's a high draft pick. Everyone already has high expectations on him as it is. He probably has it on himself. And there's no one who loves expectations more than Kyle Shanahan, especially when it comes to attacking a defense's strengths and weaknesses. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people see Isaiah Simmons as a strength. But right now, dude, I don't think he's ready for George Kittle, Zach. I really don't think he's ready for him and Kyle Shanahan together. Well, I mean, who who is? <laughs> Not too many you know, uh, excuse me, linebackers and coaches in general are ready for George Kittle and Kyle Shanahan, especially paired together. Um, so he's a rookie. He's obviously going to have his hands full come Sunday. It's his first time getting out there going against George Kittle. So I, I think he's going to kind of have a full course, you know, learning, uh, excuse me, training day on the job. And he's going to have his hands full. Like I said, I think George Kittle is going to get the best of him, but Another George Kittle matchup, obviously we all know of, is George Kittle against Buda Baker. We saw last year in Arizona, they had the famous, you know, they were getting into it physically. And then, you know, George Kittle kind of owned him twice on one play. He juked him out and then stiff-armed him into the ground and then, you know, stumbled into the end zone. And then he had the infamous, I'm still here, Buda. Um, so that, that, that matchup is going to be really, really cool to keep an eye on because this offseason, both of those guys got paid. Um, and they're both the highest paid at their positions, respectively. So I really think that that's going to be something cool to keep an eye on, how they play out now that you know they've gotten rewarded for their play. Now that rivalry is kind of going to take another step because 
you know, maybe they're both feeling a little more confident in themselves, but I think George Kittle still does come out on top. Um, now, what about this 49ers rushing game, Anthony? Do you think Moster is going to take off and pick up where he left off last season? As for the season, I think the Niners game is going, or the Niners rush game is going to explode. All of our running backs are going to love running behind Trent Williams, dude. Trent Williams is arguably right at his prime right now. Even after missing some time, he should be fresh and ready to go. And I think running behind the left side of that line with him and Lakin Tomlinson alone, uh, defenses should be scared, dude. Overall, I think the rushing game is going to be great. For this game in particular, the Cardinals did a very good job at containing the Niners' rush game as a whole. I think in the entire series, the Niners ran for about 50 to 60 yards in two games. And nowhere near is that Kyle Shanahan's running game identity. And obviously, even if the rush game wasn't working, Jimmy Garoppolo just carried the load and blew up the Cardinals' secondary entirely. But speaking on the run game, I think... They will be more prepared to take on the Cardinals. Obviously, they had an entire offseason to prepare for this. They had this week in particular to prepare against the Cardinals, and I'm sure they went over all the film as to why the run game couldn't get going. And it wasn't my bold prediction that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to throw for over 400 yards, but I wouldn't be surprised if that gets toned down just a little if the Niners can figure out how to attack the Cardinals' run defense. Now, watching the last two Cardinals' games, I don't know if it was just a lot of great defensive play calling by Vance Joseph and the Cardinals' defense where they were kind of daring Garoppolo to throw the ball and yeah Garoppolo blew up but more often than not we saw Mostert and those guys face a stacked box and obviously that doesn't make it easy so yet is to be determined like I love to say what's going to happen with this run game but they've had the entire week to prepare man and Raheem Mostert who's inked under a pretty nice contract for his stature on top of Jarek McKinnon returning on top of Jeff Wilson if you know if my boy is hopefully active and just the run game as a whole I think is going to do just enough and I think my sneaky little tidbit for the run game too is the fact that Kyle Shanahan is going to dominate these guys with play action and he has Jarek McKinnon he has Raheem Mostert two very solid running backs who can catch out of the backfield if he can catch his Cardinals' defense off guard use play action to help set up the run like is the case in any football game I think we could very well see Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon or Mostert and Coleman assuming he plays whoever it may be Zach uh, this might be a podcast bold prediction but if they blow it up entirely I think we could see two running backs get 100 rushing yards each damn Again, that, that's a lot, but I could really see it. I think the 49ers um, as a whole are going to come out motivated and just really on fire. Um, this team looks like they are on a mission. I really do think that they feel you know, burned from the way last season ended. They were so close to getting that ring, and I think that there's not going to be a Super Bowl hangover because they they know what needs to be done. They understand how close they were and what it takes to get back to that that you know promised land, so to speak. So I think that they're going to be coming out firing on all cylinders. It's almost like they're these are just kind of stepping stones to get to the big match again. So I I could definitely see it. Um, I think Mostert's going to definitely pick up where he left off. Uh, this is the first time in his career he's going into the season as the number one back. Um, but with that being said, he, he obviously does have some competition. He's, you know, Jarek McKinnon is coming back. There is also Tevin Coleman, which speaking of Tevin Coleman, um, he has that medical issue with the sickle cell traits. And he, if the air quality index is above 150, I saw that 
Uh, it is risky for him to play, and I believe that would make him a game-time decision due to his medical reasons. So that's also something to keep it on going into Sundays. Even if the uh, excuse me, the air quality index is under 200, if it's over 150, then Tevin Coleman becomes a game-time decision. So, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces here. Um, but, Anthony, what I really want to ask you about is the biggest addition to the Arizona Cardinals, which is the arguably best receiver in the NFL, and that is DeAndre Hopkins. How can the 49ers plan to stop him? So as I mentioned earlier, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, those two guys, they work out very well together. But part of this offense is the spread offense, where we see a lot of three, four, and even five wide receiver sets. And quite frankly, with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, with the return of Larry Fitzgerald, and with the come-up of uh, third-year wide receiver Christian Kirk, I think the offense is in a pretty good position to make some plays and make some moves. And Cliff Kingsbury is going to look to just pick apart the Niners' secondary in particular. And you have all these wide receivers who can run very good routes, who can are very good after the catch, who can win contested catches. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins takes that a whole step further. So to negate DeAndre Hopkins, I think you got to just really hope that the pass rush can hit home and they can hold Kyler Murray to those short checkdown passes that he had a lot last season. Kyler Murray had he had pretty good games in both games against the Niners where he didn't make too many big throws outside of that one to Andy Isabella where it was kind of just misplayed. But overall, the, the last season, Kyler Murray was held to five, four, three-yard checkdowns and just hoping his guys would make the play afterwards. And he was held to very low yardage totals. And yeah, he was making plays with his feet. He was still getting off some decent throws. But overall, it's about keeping Kyler Murray from making big plays. Because let's face it, Kyler Murray has one of the most beautiful deep passes in all the NFL. And that's not just about his arm strength. This is just about him just being very accurate on deep throws and that's who he was in college and that's how he is now so you give him a second year in the system where he has guys who can run routes and spread the field out and do everything that cliff wants him to do and it's not going to be easy for the niners so <laughs> going back to the main question negating deandre hawkins i think you got to try and just bracket him keep him from making a play downfield keep him from extending the field if you will where he makes a 10 to 15 yard catch and he can force a missed tackle or two and he he can honestly moss dbs and make some insane plays so i think it's all about doubling him or bracket him kind of keep him contained keep him on you know keep him within 10 to 15 yards 5 to 10 yards nothing to where he can make a deep play and just hope that the other side of the field can stop guys like kirk and fitzgerald and andy isabella and it all starts with just the front four, man. They got to hit home. They really do. I think in my bold prediction, I only predicted the Niners to sack Kyler Murray twice. And that's not to say I think it's going to happen, but or I want it or I will think it'll happen, but I just have a feeling that with Kyler Murray in this system for another year and him being able to make plays, he's elusive, dude. And when you lose to Forrest Buckner and yeah, you add Javon Kinlaw, who right now is very raw, the pass rush is going to decline. And that's not to say Bosa and Ford won't step up. It's just they were getting a lot of solid interior push from Armstead and Buckner together. And now you just have Armstead and a rotating Kinlaw with Solomon Thomas and Kevin Givens, most likely. And and in dj jones as well but who knows what we're gonna see so to stop deandre hopkins bracket him and honestly just hope that the pass rush can force kyler murray to not see hopkins downfield it's gonna be tough i i really do think that 
this is just a matchup that the 49ers can hope to limit and reduce as much as possible. But I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that they can just take out of the game. Um, he's not that type of player to where you can simply double team and then that's it for him. We've seen him make some tremendous catches in you know double coverage, whatever the case is. He's he's made those spectacular plays before, and honestly, Arizona adding him was like one of my worst nightmares because they surrounded Kyler Murray with a really, really talented core of receivers as it was, and then they go ahead and add arguably the best receiver in the NFL. It, it, it's tough, man. The, the 49ers already had a tough battle with these guys last year, like I said uh, in the intro. Both games came down to pretty much the, the final 5-10 minutes, but... Now it's going to get even even tougher. So, you know, um, the 49ers corners and the secondary in general is really going to have their hands full. And, you know, their best corner, Richard Sherman, traditionally doesn't travel. So he's probably going to stay on his side. And then that leaves who? Emmanuel Mosley? Akella Witherspoon? Jason Verrett was already ruled out. And I would hate to see him cover DeAndre Hopkins with his first game as, as, as a 49er you know, taking away those couple of snaps in week three last year against the Steelers. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It's a tough one that I'm really actually nervous about. That's the main matchup that scares me in this game. I really don't think the 49ers are going to be able to hold him to under 100 yards and possibly probably a touchdown too. Um, that's not to say that I think he's going to be uh, the winner for the, for the Cardinals. He's going to change the game completely. But that's going to be a very, very tough matchup for them to keep up with. So that that's, you know, like I said, something to definitely keep an eye on. That's the biggest threat for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, now, we did talk about Anthony Debo not being in this game and the other 49ers going to need to step up. Which receiver do you think steps up the most? You just have me referring to my bold predictions all night long, don't you? I think, barring anything crazy... Trent Taylor is going to say, hey, what's up, guys? I'm back. I think if Trent Taylor gets good playing time, I know he's returning from an injury, and I know his snap count may be limited just to see where he stands. But I'm just going to say this. If he starts off hot and Jimmy Garoppolo and Trent Taylor have that connection like they did two years ago, dude, I think Trent Taylor could have himself a career year. And obviously, this is... Finally, I guess you could say his first full real year with the team being solid, with the system in place, with Trent Taylor being fully healthy. I think he's ready. But more in particular, I think Garoppolo is ready to hit Trent Taylor, dude. Let's not forget that before Kendrick Bournes' emergence, if you will, Trent Taylor was kind of that go-to guy on third down and that little shifty target in the red zone. And... I think Garoppolo can't wait to throw to him, dude. I, Garoppolo already can throw to Jordan Reed, George Kittle, Ayuk, anyone you can possibly name. But I think if anyone's going to have that big say, hey, welcome back party, it's going to be Trent Taylor, man. I predicted eight catches, I think 67 yards, a little bit on the lighter side, but one touchdown. I think if Trent Taylor can put up that kind of stat line where the yardage toll isn't big, but the catchers are there and that big touchdown is there. I think Trent Taylor might finish as the best receiver on the day. And that's not even to knock the other guys. It's just that connection with Trent Taylor to Jimmy Garoppolo was really something else. And I felt like we didn't get to see uh, we didn't get to see as much as we wanted because it was they only played together for five games. And then Garoppolo tore his ACL and then Trent Taylor hurt his foot. So talk about terrible timing. But you get these two guys back together. You get Kyle Shanahan's like, like 
Shanahan's version of Wes Welker, if you will. And I know that's a terrible stereotypical comparison, but hey, that's kind of how Trent Taylor comes off as the football player when he played. And again, if you give Kyle Shanahan that kind of guy where he's kind of like reception god, if you will, Trent Taylor could have himself hell of a game and he could be leading up to having one hell of a season. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know, we got to plug the article. I'm just kidding, but, you know, that is my main question. I guess the main thing on my mind is who's going to step up now that Debo is not going to be here. It was already the main question, you know, going into the game, going into the season without Emmanuel Sanders, and now you take away the leading candidate to replace Emmanuel Sanders and targets with Debo. It's going to be, uh, you know, a sight to see, but I really do think I, I agree with you. I think Trent Taylor is going to be that guy. We heard time and time after again, he was the best receiver in camp. He was the best receiver in practice. And then he would get injured, and we were never able to actually see that translate to the field on Sundays. But now that he's finally healthy, I think the 49ers are going to be able to get a very, very good product out of Trent Taylor. And I think that they will be able to capitalize on that because he has been, just like the 49ers, dying to get back out there I mean even more so for Trent Taylor because it's been so long since he's actually played football um the 49ers it's been you know what seven months or so Trent Taylor it seems like it's been like two years so I think he's going to come out there a man on fire and I think he's going to be able to just take the top off this defense and I don't mean literally but you know he's not a, a speedy receiver but I think he's going to be able to just you know, constantly get that shifty little routes, whatever he can do. He's a possession receiver. He's like a smaller Kendrick Bourne, and he's got tremendous hands. So I'm really excited to see what we get out of Trent Taylor starting Sunday. Um, And staying on the topic of receivers, Anthony, does the Dante Pettis redemption tour, you know, hype train begin on Sunday? Or do we have to to wait another week or so until we see it? You know, the hardest part about writing the Trent Taylor blow-up game and my bold predictions is that I really wanted it to be Dante Pettis, too. But after watching some previous film with Trent Taylor and Jimmy Garoppolo, especially in that Jacksonville game, Trent Taylor didn't do too much, but he had that big touchdown and he had a couple nice catches. When I saw that, I was like, wow, this connection really could have been something. And quite frankly, with that coming up now, I don't think Trent Taylor is going to slow down. I think he's going to pick up from where he left off. And that's not to leave off Dante Pettis. But man, he's going to have to, I I think he's out of the doghouse, but we're going to have to see how he performs on the field. Because Zach, I swear to God, if Dante Pettis has one drop on a, on an open slant route up the middle of the field, where quite frankly, everyone kind of knew he was afraid to take a hit in the middle of the field, he's going to get back in that, in that doghouse so fast. And I swear to God, he's probably going to get traded to Jacksonville because Kyle Shanahan's probably had it up to the roof with Dante Pettis' antics. But if training, if everything is true about Dante Pettis really changing his mentality, kind of not changing his form, but just changing his mindset when stepping onto the field and going into practices and coming back into better physical shape, I think we could very well see Dante Pettis have himself a really nice game and have himself a really nice season. Now, for this game in particular, even with Jordan Reed and Brandon Ayuk, and let's keep in mind too, this is kind of assuming that the Cardinals can stop the run game once again and the game falls on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Pettis will be in a position to have himself a good like four to five, maybe 50, 60 yard game, if you will. Because again, dude, this offense is just, it's not about who 
who the best receiver is. It's pretty much just about who's open, who does Jimmy Garoppolo read on the field, who's the hot read, if you will, and who's the guy to go to. And that could be Pettis, that could be Taylor, Ayuk, Reed, it could be Kyle Juszczyk, it, it could be anyone, dude. And that's just Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's here's the guy I schemed open, you got to hit him, whether it's Pettis or any of the guys I named. But overall, if he's scheming guys open or not, I think Pettis... Man, Zach, you know how high I was on Pettis at his rookie year last season, and I I rode the island, dude, and I'm still on the Dante Pettis island until I have to swim to swim to another island, if you will. So I think he's ready to kick off the revenge tour. He's just one of the like under the radar pieces to this offense and to this team that'll help get him back to the Super Bowl. And we saw what he was his rookie season, man. And if he can get back to that form or even half of that form to where he doesn't get put in the doghouse. I think Dante Pettis will prove a lot of people wrong, and he'll also prove why <laughs> why I've been hyping him up ever since he joined the team. Yeah, I, you know, it's such a tricky thing because the guy got crucified as it was um, after his rookie year when he wasn't playing well his sophomore year. Any little thing he did, the fans would just completely tear into him. Um, but it seems like the tide is kind of turning this offseason and it seems like the kind of narrative around Dante Pettis has turned more into a supportive um, narrative to where the, the, the fans want to see him succeed and they want him to turn things around and get back to his old self. Um, so it, it's really interesting to see how that kind of played out because they kind of beat the man to where he's he's down and he's got nothing left. Um, when I talked to Grant Cohn in Sports Illustrated, he was saying, you know, look, when he came in, he had the the pink and, and blue and curly hair and this and that. And he goes, and now, you know, he's just got nothing. He's got a fade, a, a messy long fade, buzz cut, and he's got no color in there. He looks like a man defeated. And, and there's two ways to take that, honestly. You could take it like Grant takes it and see it as a man defeated. Or you could take it as, you know, Dante realized, hey, I'm not being electrifying. I'm not being a dynamic receiver. I can't, you know, have all of the looks of one until I get my mind right and go back to being one. So maybe he figured, let me go back to square one. Let me get myself right and, and, and you know, work on the basics. And then I can go back and start doing the more flashy things once I start getting my game back in order. So I don't know, man. It, it's something to, to really look into. But I think that the hype train for Dante Pettis starts on Sunday I don't think it's going to fully take off and be, you know, a quarter way down the, the trip. But I do think that he's going to have, you know, he, he might play a, a nice role. The 49ers are depleted at the receiver position right now um, with injuries. And I do think that they could definitely use him to just have be a role player at this point, you know, have a couple nice catches, maybe a third down, maybe a touchdown, whatever the case may be. But I think that if his number is called, he will come up for the 49ers. Um, now, Anthony, one other guy that the fans should be really excited to see because none of us have seen him in an actual game is Jarek McKinnon. What do you expect from him? 
I know I've been talking about watching a lot of film, but dude, I tried to spend so much time watching film this offseason just to learn players that are hurt, just to see what their performances were like. And quite frankly, Jarek McKinnon was really, really dynamic when he was with Minnesota. He had a slight fumble issue where I think he fumbled three times in two or three games, but I think that was like his first or second year, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But dude, his skill set is like so exciting to watch, dude. This guy can catch passes out of the backfield this guy can run routes pretty well and this guy can just diagnose running lanes and find holes and hit the gap and run seven eight nine yards Jerick mckinnon may not be a burner and we may not know what we're gonna see or how fast he's gonna be once he steps on the field because let's face it he obviously hasn't played in two years he has to get himself game ready and get up to game speed but if anyone's gonna help you do that dude it's kyle shanahan and when you have a Shanahan, when you have an offense that plays very well in your favor as a running back, I think that's going to give Jerick McKinnon all the confidence he needs. And quite frankly, his skill set is like, I, like I can't stop raving about his skill set, dude. This guy, when he was in Minnesota, he kind of had to play behind Latavius Murray at the time, and he had to play behind another running back or two. But overall, when he when his name was called in Minnesota, he he performed very very well, and that was in a very limited snap count. And he had a couple games where he did blow up, and he just looked like a very complete running back, a guy who can catch, a guy who can block, a guy who can run. And he finally gets an offense, and he finally gets a chance to play in a system that just says, dude, get over here. I will get you 60 rushing yards. I will get you 40 receiving yards. I will get you two touchdowns in the game. Just watch the magic. Jarek McKinnon should be excited, dude. And I think, barring any health issues, the rest of the NFL should be scared, man. Because Kyle Shanahan finally has his true three-headed backfield monster in Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon. And you have all these guys who can ball out. You have all these guys who can catch and run. And God forbid, they're probably going to throw the ball at some point too, man. It's going to be one hell of a thing to watch. And I just can't stress how excited I am to watch Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, man, it's been years in the making for Jarek McKinnon. And when the 49ers originally signed up for Minnesota, you know, everybody looked up his tape. Everybody looked up what he was able to do there. And just like you said, it was limited snaps. He wasn't the lead back there, um, but he had some really, really good traits. And that's what you like to scout. You scout traits. So I think that he's going to have a really nice role here with the 49ers. And if they get even 75% of the Jarek McKinnon they were hoping for, I think that's a success at this point because he signed for the vet minimum. He restructured his contract. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's trying to help the team out and he's trying to win. He's trying to get a ring. And he think he knows this is his best opportunity to do that and also get some meaningful playing time. So the 49ers, you know, they didn't keep the undrafted free agent backs that everybody liked. Um, but they felt comfortable keeping Jarek McKinnon over them. So I think that we're going to be able to see a nice compliment to Raheem Oster and Tevin Coleman. And the, his best trait is, you know, a pass catcher out of the backfield. So I think that that's really going to help the 49ers, especially when Jimmy, you know, none of the, the receivers or tight ends are open and maybe he's getting pressured. If McKinnon's in the backfield, they can just dump that off and watch him go. So, I'm actually super excited to finally see him take the field for a meaningful game for the 49ers. And, you know, hopefully he has a nice role there because, man, he, he can really help this team on the offense. Um, now, flipping it over to the defensive side, Anthony, you also wrote about the 49ers defensive line. 
how do you think they're going to perform come Sunday? So, like I said, in my bold prediction, I thought the defensive line was only going to get two sacks. I'm sorry. I don't want that to happen. I just don't think it'll happen. But, hey, that's just a bold prediction where if it does happen, I kind of, in a sense, won't be surprised. But, dude, the defensive line is going to have to have themselves a game early on. We already saw how frustrating it was to tackle Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and and even Drew Brees on occasion, man, because old guys just seem to be able to play really well in the pocket, and, and Drew Brees is Drew Brees. But the point being is that they're going to have to contain Kyler Murray, and they're going to have to keep him in the pocket because Kyler Murray was really good at making plays offbeat when he would break the pocket, when he would run out of the pocket, when he would scramble and do something. And that's exactly who Kyler Murray was in college, and that's exactly how he is now. The interior, I, I think it's going to be weird, but I think if the edge presence is really good, if they can collapse the pocket from the outside and kind of force Kyler Murray to step up in the pocket, let's just hope that the interior guys like Ken Law and like Armstead and, and Givens and Thomas, if he plays inside, and whoever's going to be on that line can just get to Kyler Murray. we got to keep him in the pocket. He's pretty good in the pocket. The guy has a pretty solid release himself, and he can make throws. But I think Kyler Murray, the quarterback, is better when he's running and throwing on the run. And if you force him to be a pocket passer, if you force him to have to throw over defensive linemen like Eric Armstead, who's six foot seven, and like Bosa, who's just as tall himself, I think you will give Kyler Murray fits. And I think you will have to force the offense to go back to a checkdown game, to go back to those quick passes to where. They can't make deep plays. They can't throw the ball 30 to 40 yards and hope Hopkins can save the day and things of that nature. You keep Kyler Murray in the pocket. You let the defensive line just give him fits and, again, just contain him. I think we could see a very solid defensive line game where they can't get four to five sacks. But that's a big if. That's hoping D. Ford and Nick Bosa don't even miss any plays and they don't have any injury bugs and they can stay on the field. And if that's the case, and, and, and... If Eric Armstead can return to form and stay consistent and play as well as he did last season, even without DeForest Buckner, I think we'll have a very comfortable game with that defensive line and just 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 that front seven as a whole. But again, if, 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 these are all big ifs. If they can just put it all together, keep Kyler Murray inside, don't let him break the pocket, I think we could have a very, very solid day. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you wrote a lot about the 49ers defensive line stepping it up and man like I said in the beginning it's tough to bring down Kyler Murray but you know if they're able to kind of force him out of the pocket get him doing those little circles that he does in the backfield trying to escape pressure they're already winning they're already winning that battle so if you know the 49ers and and granted too they're just about fully healthy and it's really rare especially the back end of last season this 49ers defensive line was not really ever fully healthy so I think that all, although it's a hard matchup, they've they fare pretty well here. I think they're going to be able to get Kyler down a few times. Um, D Ford and Nick Bosa, like you said, they're going to have their hands full. But I think they're able to win a couple of those battles, and I'm excited to see what Javon Kinlaw brings to the to the mix because although he's a rookie and although he's not going to be able to play at the level that uh, DeForest Buckner played at right away. He should be able to still, you know, have a nice impact. Maybe not early on in this game specifically, but moving forward in this rivalry. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on moving forward as well. 
Um, and also further back in the defense, Anthony, we recently found out that Fred Warner, thankfully, was removed from the COVID list. How do you see his game happening? Are you any? Excuse me. Are you concerned at all with him missing any time? He didn't miss much time, but do you think we'll obviously still see the Fred Warner that we're used to? Yeah, I think we will. This guy had by far one of the best linebacking seasons from a Niner we haven't really seen since Bowman, Willis, even Chris Borland. And I was watching old Niners games and watching Willis and Bowman and even Takeo Spikes and Mike Singletary's last year. Dude, something about linebackers just go well with Niners uniforms and they all work out really well. And Fred Warner is already on track to be that Navarro Bowman type guy, minus the terrible injuries and stuff, praying to God. But I don't think Fred Warner is going to miss a beat, man. I think he's going to step on the field. I think he's going to have the green dot. He's just hes going to call the plays. He's going to be the Mike. He's Mike Fred Warner. That's who the big guy is. And quite frankly, we could very well see Fred Warner's first all-pro year happening before eyes. And you know what? I think for the sake of how excited I am, I think I'm going to call it now, man. I think Fred Warner is going to have an all-pro season. With Luke Keekley gone, I'm assuming Wagner is going to regress not too many are there very solid middle linebackers out there, at least in my opinion, that I can think of at the moment. Dude, Fred Warner, it's his position for the taking, and Fred Warner's already evolving into one of the best young linebackers in the game, and I'm just ready for this guy to hit the A to B gap up the middle and just get a quick sack on Kyler Murray or quarterback spy and just take Kyler Murray down before he even tries to scramble, and that's just who Fred Warner is, man. He's an athletic freak. He's the green dot. He's the captain of that defense. And even if you miss 10, 10 to 12 days with COVID, and this is assuming he either did or didn't have COVID, it doesn't matter. I don't think Warner's going to miss a beat, Zach. And it, it's tough to pick who's going to be the most fun to watch on this team just from right now. But if I had to pick anyone, shoot, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I definitely think it's Fred Warner, man. Yeah, he, he's, you know, he's the type of player where he could miss a couple of weeks and, and still come back and look like he didn't miss any time at all because he is really an elite player, and I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves. Obviously, we know him. We talk about him in, in high regard, but around the NFL, he's not thought of as a top-tier linebacker when he, he really is. That guy, you know, plays just as well as any linebacker. I, I beg you to hold up his film to any other top-tier linebacker, and I think that you won't see too many differences. You'll see a lot of similarities. So I think that the 49ers are going to have a hell of a defensive unit with, you know, Quan and Fred and Dre Greenlaw, man in the middle of that defense. So it, it's going to be tough for the Cardinals to overcome. Um, now, Anthony, is there anything else you wanted to cover here, or do you want to get into our predictions? who on okay so i gotta ask you with with the question even even after the season i think the cardinals offensive line is still going to be suspect do you feel like that nick bosa is going to have himself like that that big hey i'm here defensive player of the year is mine for the taking this is why i'm the best because quite frankly i already thought nick bosa was a top five pass rusher in the league after the end of last season and there's already a bunch of really good edge rushers but even after losing buckner man i think this is nick bosa's season for the taking already and we saw that he won defensive rookie of the year he's already on track to be one of the best pass rushers in niners history and that's already saying a lot and i know i'm jumping the gun but 
Nick Bosa came in as a rookie, and dude, I've never seen a rookie just look so refined and look so technically sound than Nick Bosa. Zach, do you think this is the season that Nick Bosa is already going to make a name for himself, and do you think this is his year for Defensive Player of the Year? Yes, yes, 100%. Um, I think that he was an inch away from getting it last year. Uh, if I remember correctly, Stephon Gilmore in New England got it. Um, but yeah, dude, he is already coming in as building on a fantastic rookie year. And, you know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. It's really scary to think how much better can Nick Bosa actually get. And the sky really is a limit for him. We saw his brother just get that $100 million plus contract with the Chargers. So he's probably seeing that and thinking, damn, I'm going to get, you know, 150% of that contract. So I'm going to ball out and make sure I do everything I can to win every snap to get that. So I think that this is the year for Nick Bosa to prove he's not a rookie fluke. He's not a one-year wonder. He's not some type of, you know, flash phenom. I think he's proving that he's here to stay. And, you know, more more importantly, he's proving that he's willing to do whatever it takes for the team to win. Because there was a lot of speculation. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do, Anthony. Back when he was coming out of Ohio State, that he's selfish. He doesn't put the team first. Um, you know, he, he, he sat out to enter for the draft. And people were taking that as, oh, he's not a team player, blah, 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 blah. He has shown nothing but the opposite since he's been here with the 49ers. He has been 100% a team player. All of the guys have nothing but great things to say about him. So I really do think that this is his year. I think he's going to completely build on that rookie year where he was, you know, in conversation for defensive player of the year. And opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks should be terrified. What do you think? Do you agree with me or do you think I'm overhyping him a bit? Dude, if Nick Bosa doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going to deem him as a draft bust. Screw it. Nah, you are not overhyping him, man. I think Nick Bosa is going to have himself an even better year than last year. I don't care if they lost to Forrest Buckner. I know it sucks. I know the pass rush may regress a little. But I've been hearing a lot of good things about Solomon Thomas playing on the interior, man. I've been hearing a lot of good things about DJ Jones's health, him looking very good in training camp. I've even been hearing things about how Kevin Givens might be the most underrated defensive lineman on the team. And that just goes to show how deep this defensive line is, even if we get injuries once again. And so losing Buckner, I don't think that's going to help Bosa lose out on anything at all, man. I think Bosa is just... He's ready, dude. I think he's absolutely ready. We saw him go through the motions as a rookie last season where he did miss some sacks. He did miss some tackles. He was falling off of his falling off his feet. He was slipping quite, quite a bit, and th that's something Grant Cohn pointed out. But I think that's more or less a rookie thing more than anything where he was working himself back from an injury. And truly, he was trying to find his own footing in the NFL. And you could be the best player in the league, but you still have to get used to the game speed. And we kind of saw that in Nick Bosa's first game against Tampa Bay last year where he did miss a couple sacks on Winston. But when he did stay upright, when he did fight through contact and fight through those offensive linemen, he hit the heck out of Jameis Winston, man. And that just goes to show this guy's his dog fight mentality, everything you can name it. So taking that into this season, taking into what he already knows. And Zach, the biggest thing about it is the fact that Nick Bosa went up against Joe Staley. 
even if Joe Staley was older, he was still a top five tackle in my opinion. Even after injuries, Joe Staley was very good. And now he gets to go up against the best left tackle in the league in my opinion, and that's Trent Williams. You want to talk about steel sharpening steel, iron sharpening iron? What better way to start your career going up against Joe Staley and then Trent Williams, man? If he can match up and beat Trent Williams, even if they're soft practices, even if they are light, the fact is that he beat Trent Williams. I don't care if Trent Williams is coming back from injury, man. Trent Williams is still the best in the game. If you can do that, you can match up against any tackle. You can match up against any double team. And you can take it head on and you can bull rush your way to the quarterback. And that's what Nick Bosa is going to do, man. I think Nick Bosa is priming himself for one, just one, of many, at least two or three, Defensive Player of the Year awards. That's how solid I think Nick Bosa is going to be. Jesus. Um, I mean, I could see it. I really could. I don't think that that's too out of the realm of uh, reasonable logic. Maybe a little further down. I mean, obviously, further down, it takes time. But I think that he needs to continue to build upon his game in order to get that. But as far as getting his first one, I really don't think it's out of the question to say this is the year. I think that he showed what type of player he is and what caliber player he is last season. And I think he's only going to get better. So... Man, Nick Bosa, like I said, opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks, you guys better be ready, man, because this guy is coming out on fire. Um, Anthony, I think it's time to move into our final predictions and wrap this podcast up. What do you think? Unfortunately, we got to get it wrapped up, man. We're in our distance here. We, I, If we could do like a three-hour-long podcast just talking about this game alone or even talking about one player alone, dude, I would totally do it. But this is kind of the most exciting part for me at the end of the night, man. I cannot wait to talk about our in-game predictions. All right. Well, without further ado, guys, let's get right into it. Um, Anthony, do you want to do final score? How do you want to do this? Let's start with the fun stats. Let's do offense, defense, and then we'll do final score predictions and our team MVP. Zach, how many yards do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to pass for? I'm going to say three. I'm going to go 350. You hear that, folks? Zach's got Garoppolo at 350 yards. This is coming off a season where Jimmy Garoppolo beat his own career high in passing yards against the Cardinals last season, in which the team won 36-26. to So you know what? It was my bold prediction. I think out of all my bold predictions, this is the one that's going to hold true. I think Garoppolo is going to bang and pass for over 400 yards. I think I got to roll with Jimmy Garoppolo, 424 yards, man. I think Garoppolo is just ready to light it up. And I don't even think the run game is going to be bad. I think just the passing game is going to be something else. So, Zach, that leads us out of Jimmy Garoppolo. That leads us into the rushing game. How many rushing yards do you think Raheem Mostert's going to go for? And once you tell me his total, is he going to be the leading rusher at the end of the day? Um, I'm going to say... I don't think he's going to, to, to blast off this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has like, you know, 12 carries for like 85 yards and a touchdown. And yeah, I do think he's a leading rusher for the 49ers when it's all said and done. Hot takey. I think Raheem Mostert's going to have 50 to 60 yards, but I think it's going to be the Jarek McKinnon show, man. Jarek McKinnon is here to ball out. He, I know he is ready to play. I think Jarek McKinnon is going to, and this might be a little generous amount, but I think Jarek McKinnon is going to be the leading rusher over Raheem Mostert, and that's just how excited I am to see the dude. 
I think the team for, will rush for over 100 yards, but it'll be tougher for Mostert. But once you kind of get that change of pace guy in Jarek McKinnon where you can throw the Cardinals' defense off, I think we'll see a solid 85 rushing yard day for McKinnon. And I think I'm going to sprinkle in 35 receiving yards too. I think Jarek McKinnon's going to be ready to ball out and be ready to do it all. All right, Zach, we cover the rushing game. Let's move on over to the receiving game. Who do you think is going to lead the team in receiving and who do you think is going to lead the team in touchdowns for the day? Well, I mean, we talked about it earlier and I think that it's going to be, uh, I think these are two different, two different answers. I think Trent Taylor is going to leave the team in receiving and I wouldn't be surprised to see him top hundred yards, but I think Kendrick Bourne is going to lead the team in receiving touchdowns on Sunday. He, we saw it last season. He's the team's, biggest red zone threat uh, when it comes to receivers and I think he's going to have one if not two receiving touchdowns this year or excuse me on Sunday I like it I like it I think Trent Taylor I'm gonna (laughs) dude I'm just sounding off on these bold predictions man I cannot wait to see how wrong I am but you know what I'm still gonna hype up Trent Taylor I think Trent Taylor is going to lead the day in receptions I will give him receptions, so this is a half-bold prediction. I think he will lead the team with eight receptions, but I think, barring any health issues, I think big play Ayuk is ready to come out. I think Ayuk is going to explode early on. I think Ayuk is going to get over 100 yards, dude. That might be the bigger bold prediction than Trent Taylor, but hey, Ayuk is here to play. He's a run-after-the-catch king, if you will, just like he was in college. Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme this guy open and let him run wild, dude. I think Ayuk will finish with five receptions, but I think he's going to hit 108 yards, and I think I'll throw in two touchdowns, dude. I think it'll be the Taylor Ayuk show, but out of all these guys, I think anyone should be ready to blow up. So, Zach, I think we've covered the offense enough. Let's switch on over to the defense. I talked about how I think the Niners are going to force at least four turnovers in this game. That's what they need to do. They didn't intercept Kyler Murray last season, although they did force two fumbles, one of them from rest in peace to the King DeForest Buckner. I miss him in the Niners uniform, but he looks good in the Colts uniform. They are going to have to force turnovers. I think this will be a big turnover game. So, Zach, how many turnovers do you think they can force? Okay, first of all, DeForest Buckner did not die. We don't have to say rest in peace to the man. I miss him, man. I miss the guy. <laughs> he just moved to Indianapolis. Um, I think that they're going to force at least two, but I have my I have my mind on three. I think they're going to have two picks and a fumble recovery. Two picks and a fumble recovery. Man, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm still rolling with four turnovers. I think this pass rush... I don't think they'll hit the two-sack total like I predicted. I think the pass rush is just going to really pressure Kyler Murray because, again, you lose Buckner, but you add a lot of key returning guys like Givens and like Thomas who are ready to hit the rotation hard. And then you add a Kinlaw who, let's see how he can do, but if Kinlaw shines early on, the pass rush is going to be absolutely extreme. So if they can force Kyler Murray to just get pressured, break the pocket, maybe throw some errant passes or even fumble, I think the defense could have itself one hell of a day. I do foresee four turnovers, Zach. I think we'll I think we'll finally get a Kyler Murray interception. I think we'll only get one. But with how many plays he's gonna try and make with how much he's gonna try and do on his own, I think we'll see him 
be the reason the offense of the Cardinals shoots himself in the foot. I think Kyler Murray is going to fumble twice, dude, on top of the interception and on top of one more fumble from whoever on the Cardinals offense. I think it's going to be four, dude, and I'm, I think I'm pretty confident in that. So, speaking on turnovers, who's going to be the one to intercept the ball or force a fumble, Zach? Who do you think is going to force the first turnover of the game? Well, um, we talked about him earlier. And I think it's Fred Warner. And I, I want to shout out Jesse Blackard on Twitter because he had actually just replied to my tweet right before I said this, uh, asking for predictions for the game on Sunday. And he said, first score of the game will be a Fred Warner pick six. I'm not going to go as far as Jesse and say it's a pick six, but I do say that he has a pick. And I think he's the first one. Remember last season when we called that when I called that Fred Warner interception touchdown? I think it was oh, who, who did he get that against? Was that the was that the Saints? The Rams? One of them? Yeah, that was the big Rams game. I don't know. I just had the feeling. I had the feeling it was gonna happen. That's just how good the kid is. And you know what? I think I'm gonna ride the train with you, man. I think Fred Warner is going to get the first interception and the first turnover of the game. We already saw last season that this guy has a knack for punching the ball out of players' hands. We see that he does have pretty good hands as a receiving line packer, if you will. And he's gonna be ready the ball out, dude. I'm pretty positive he's unhappy that he had to miss a lot of training camp time. So he's gonna come in. I think he's gonna come in the game with a little chip on his shoulder, dude. I. When you're a guy like him, you don't want to miss any time on the field, whether it's practice or not. And Warner is, like I say, he's going to wear the green dot. He's going to call the plays. And he's just going to read and diagnose and show why he's the best young linebacker in the game. So I got to give the props to him, man. I think he will force the first turnover, and I will think it's an interception. I don't think it'll be a pick six, but I very damn well think it's going to be an interception. So, Zach, I think that's had it for the defense. Let's get into the best prediction of the day. What is your final score prediction, and who do you think is going to finish as the MVP? Oh, man. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, I see here ESPN, their their pick center, has uh, the over-under at 48, and I think that's a pretty good uh, total for this game. I do think that the air quality is going to play a factor. Um, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with, let's see, 28 to 17. 49ers and I think the man under center Jimmy GQ is going to be the MVP of the day 350 yards and I'm going to go with three touchdowns 350 yards and three touchdowns Zach I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be my MVP too I boldly predicted he'll throw for over 400 yards and I think that'll be the case I think Jimmy Garoppolo will pass for four touchdowns too. I don't think he's going to miss a beat. I think he's going to pick up from where he left off against this kind of uh, suspect Cardinals secondary, if you will, even with the addition of Isaiah Simmons. I think Shanahan and Garoppolo are going to be ready to ball out, dude. So I will give my MVP to Jimmy Garoppolo. As for the score prediction, I would be slamming the over if I was a gambler, man. Don't listen to my gambling advice. But hey, I think if it's me, I think I like the over at 48. But more in particular, I think the Niners' offense and defense isn't going to come just to F around, man. It's the revenge tour. They have a lot on their plate. They know damn well they shouldn't have lost that Super Bowl. And after watching the Chiefs' Super Bowl ceremony, man, I would be sick if I was them. I would be sick to my stomach going, that should be us. That should be us hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. And we are going to come and show the NFL why we were the real champions and why... 
after a lot of fluky plays, I still think the Niners are the better team, even with Mahomes for the Chiefs. I think the Niners are just better. So, what better way to kick off the revenge tour than just smoking the Cardinals, dude? The Cardinals will get a decent amount of points, but I think that would be garbage time. I think the Niners will run away with it early, even in the smoky conditions, dude. I think it's going to be Niners 34, Cardinals 24. All right, man. Oof, I'm hyped. I am hyped. Is it Sunday yet? And, you know, I saw, you know, where I am in, in uh, Bay Area, South Bay, the game that we get here is the Falcons and Seahawks, and then we get to see our 49ers take on the Cardinals. So, man, it would be a perfect Sunday if I could start the day off with the Falcons beating the Seahawks and the 49ers beating the Rams. Oof, man, I, I, I'd be happy enough right there. I could go to bed, call it a night. <laughs> but, uh, guys, I think that's going to do it for us today. We had a long episode, but, man, football's back. Football is back, and I hope you can tell just how excited we are. Um, we got a lot of big things planned for you guys this season here at the Red and Gold Standard Podcast and also here at 49ers Hive. So if you like what you hear, please do us a solid and leave us a five-star review. We cannot tell you how much they help. Um, they help us you know, grow the podcast. So please go ahead and do that. And you can also follow us on Twitter at RGS Pod. We put out all the podcasts through there. We ask for uh, questions, suggestions, comments, whatever the case may be. You could find it all on Twitter at RGS Pod. And for me personally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Hernan. Anthony, go ahead and close it out and let the folks know where they can find you. Zach, two more days of rest until we get Niners football. Actually, it's 12.21 a.m. right now in California. We only got one more day of rest until 49ers football. About, if my math is right, got like, 38 hours something like that i don't know i'm not a math expert dude niners football is finally back we have every reason to overreact and overpredict every single thing that's going to happen with 49ers football and i could not tell you how excited i am to overreact to overreact in the group chat to overreact on twitter that's just who i am man i am crazy perry if you will but hey Follow me on Twitter, guys, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. And just like Zach said, drop a five-star review. It goes a long way for helping this podcast grow. It goes a long way for helping us deliver you guys the best content we can. And this is just the start of something special, man. We finally get kickoff for 49ers football underway. And I I could scream, dude. I could scream. That's just how excited I am. So let's get it rolling, man. Niners football is finally back.